Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Gridiron Zero's podcast. Bring me, bitch! Episode 63. Happy New Year. Currently January 4th in the year of 2023. Hope you all had a, a wonderful holiday. Um, we got a jam-packed show for you today. It's the first annual Gritties Award. Three categories. Disappointing, funniest, surprising. So stay tuned for that. Follow the money. Um, we got some good stuff in there this week. A lot of divisional games, a lot of uh, you know cheeky plays, uh, and then finally we cap it off with the only way we know how. We give you an update on the murder that happened in Detroit this past Sunday at the Chicago Bears, and then we talk about this upcoming game against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and if you hear if you hear it in my voice, you know what's coming. I get a little cynical. And for once. I try not to be. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, yeah, we kind of did switch roles. Yeah. I, I think the last couple of weeks I've slowly done a, done a pivot to trying to be more positive on this team. So I think so, too. We're going to get into it. You're the, making a conscious effort. The gritties were good. I uh, had a lot of fun with those. Uh, yeah. Some surprises in there. Some not so much surprises in there. But yeah. for the first annual, I, I dug it. All right. All right. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time. Uh, first annual, second season, but we did not do this last year. So first annual ever Gritty Awards for the 2022-2023. Also, uh, as I mentioned in the uh, in the opener, Happy New Year, 2023 football season. Uh, we have three categories today. Where are the Gritties from? Uh, I just thought it was funny because our name is Gridiron Zero's podcast, and oh, I thought uh, I thought also a play on the gritty. I love that. I thought I thought you I thought that you were like repurposing that from something. No, no, yeah, I uh, repurposing the gritty or uh, short for gridiron, and uh, it's also just because the gritty is reminds me of, reminds me of the Dundies a little bit. Yeah, can I see yeah. that? Okay, the gritty is the most talked about celebration football at the moment so. very smart i'm all on board um also just to just to clarify it's g-r-i-d-d-y we're not saying gritty as in g-r-g-r-i-t-t-y so i had to get that clarification out of the way uh it's audio experience not a visual one <laughs> so uh three categories we have uh one winner al and i both have a winner for each uh category or yeah, three categories, three winners per category. Al and I both have a winner. So, 18 winners in total. We have uh, the first category, which is uh, disappointment. Uh, the second category, which is cringe. And the third category, which is surprising. And then we have selected a player, coach, and team for all three of those. Okay, so... You didn't do that? No, no, no. Oh. I, I was just doing math. That's nine per. Okay, that's why you sent nine because I was yeah. like, yeah, you can edit that out. But I was like, wait, eighteen. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. So Al, we'll, we'll have you do the honors. What category do you want to start out with? Uh, let's start off with the most surprising. Let's okay. do that. All right, I like that. Uh, so your team of the year that was most surprising in the gritty goes to. I gotta say Philadelphia. Oh. Um. I, I respect I, that. I don't feel like. We I give them their flowers very much uh, on this podcast, but I don't think anyone coming into this year, after you know making it to the playoffs last year, but Barely. getting getting handled by the Bucks and yeah. it wasn't much of a you know much of an affair. But you know even last year was a bit surprising that they were there. Yeah, and you know cut to cut to now. I know it's been the last couple of weeks without <laughs> Jalen Hurts. It's been you know kind of up and down yeah. here, but. On the whole, I mean, I don't think anyone had them starting off on that insanely hot tear to begin the year and then being the number one seed for most of the season in the NFC, uh, probably still going to be the conference champion by the time you know we're done with this. Hopefully, it's going but... to be so funny if this backfires. <laughs> well, I, even still, to be in the spot was a huge surprise. Jalen Hurts having a great year, and I really didn't think that they would be as good as they have been. But I will say... Where we stand right now, I don't know how we feel about them in the Super Bowl at this point, but mm. it seems like it's been kind of uh, 
you know, crumbling a bit of late, but if he's back and, and they, you know, put everything back together, I expect them to make a run for sure. Yeah. Uh, injuries have definitely plagued them down the run, but it does sound like they're getting at least a couple guys back for the playoffs, but they got to hold on to that one seed. If that's the case, um, my most surprising team, I think you and I both had them finishing at the bottom of their division. I might have had one other team, but I I had this team at third, if that's the case. Um, I don't think anybody expected them to be good. First-year head coach, um, superstar offensive player that has been plagued by injuries, and they went on a tear at the start of the season, cooled off there in the second half, but just clinched a playoff spot. Uh, the New York Giants are, I would say, once again, America's Cinderella team. I'm so excited! Uh, yeah, I think I think they were definitely, you know, a, a more interesting team to talk about in the first half of the year. I think they've kind of been up and down the second half, but yeah. they're in sh- shockingly. I mean, it we is extremely shocking. Yeah, we had are, no way they, that they were going to get a record. That they have a winning record at shocking. But uh, Brian Dable came in, turned that ship right around, has made uh, Saquon Barkley, once again relevant, has somehow stayed healthy throughout the entire season. Knock on wood. Um, Daniel Jones looks like a competent game manager. He's not doing anything crazy like he has been doing the last couple of weeks. Uh, They're just not used to scoring touchdowns. Kenny Galladay is still – the biggest waste of money anybody's ever yeah, that's seen. Nonsense. That's garbage. And yeah, the defense plays well. Kayvon Thibodeau at the beginning of the season, before he was drafted, a lot of people were commenting about his dedication to football, his uh, character. Is he going to be a good fit with the media? I think he's turned out pretty well outside of him doing um, Snow Angels next to uh, Nick Foles, who had just been uh, destroyed. Um, so. Outside of that, I would say that the not, Giants not, – Not a good look. Not a great look. Not a, good not look. a great look, definitely. Um, outside of that, Giants have been easily, in my opinion, the most surprising team this year. Uh, I think everybody pegged them to just be disastrous once more and get a high pick, unload Daniel Jones, get rid of Saquon Barkley. suppose you could lump in all, all the New York teams being a surprise, but – Absolutely. Well, I did have the Jets finishing up pretty high, I, I do got to say. But I was saying – well, my Miami take is kind of playing out well, you know, too. So, who knows? Most surprising coach for me. Um, I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder on this, but I got to say it. Uh, Mike McDaniel. Oh, okay. No, you did not steal my thunder. Because I I think it was definitely a tumultuous offseason. Uh, getting rid of Brian Flores and, and the very public uh, embarrassment of that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a big issue over the summer, big hop on issue. You know, you have Tua, which is a giant question mark, still now for different reasons. But uh, even then, it was like, what do we got with him? Is he going to work out? Is he, he going to be any good? The Brady, the Brady fiasco. That whole thing. So no to have a first-year young head coach come in and not only hold the fort down for most of the season, but at times show flashes of, I would say, greatness. To, to be honest, uh, I would say first seed in the AFC, which is saying a lot considering who's up there. So to come in and do that with all those things going on uh, in a loaded conference, I don't know where this team goes from here. Like they might make the postseason still. We'll see. Uh, and who knows what will happen. But yeah, great first year. And if I was a Dolphins fan, even if this year ends with no postseason or a very limited stay in the postseason, I would be pretty happy and excited about your future. I would be too. I actually went uh different round. Pete Carroll. That's a great one, actually. That's a that really is, good one. Uh, the guy is a character, uh, sure. Uh, does he make uh, some stupid-ass shit decisions? Uh, quite possibly the dumbest. Um, but we also do remember that Matt Patricia made that play in the Super Bowl, so we can't we can't fault Pete Carroll for that too much. Go f- yourself. Um, but this team was completely stripped down uh, to the bolts and had uh, uh, a quarterback that was ran out of New York, had not taken you know uh, serious starter snaps in God six seven years maybe, 
um, and is on the brink of uh, is on the brink of making the playoffs. Uh, I don't think anybody expected the Seahawks to be in this position. I think a lot of it does go to Pete Carroll. That is not a talented roster that they have there. Um, I, f- I feel like this is about as natural as a talking point segue into Geno Smith being my most surprising player. Oh, good so I'm just going to piggyback off of it. Uh, yeah. Who saw this coming? Nobody. Nope, nobody. And he's done nothing in his career to show that he would have not only like a pretty, you know, like a decent year, but like a really good year. And yeah. one of, one of the top quarterbacks in the league kind of year. And my Jake's stat about exceeding expectations in terms of accuracy, Gino was leading that, right? I believe that's what he said, yeah. which makes all the sense in the world all because the no one expected him to do anything and his metrics were a lot better than think, you know, what people were hoping for. So yeah, make a lot of sense. He is going to be a phenomenal bridge quarterback for that franchise. One of the best bridge quarterbacks you could possibly want. Yeah, you, know, you know what though? Like, to me, that showed me that Pete Carroll's like he's fine with Geno Smith. That that's what it showed me because it you have more talent on that roster. You build up that defense a little bit more. Absolutely, but who knows what's going to happen? You know, you can start building out similar to what the Lions are going through right now. Um, you build out from the trenches and you start getting good offensive weapons. You start getting good defensive players, and the quarterback around them ends up getting a lot better. You know, everybody thought that Jared Goff was a bridge quarterback when he came to Detroit, but how many people would you say are taking that seriously now? And I, I guess I guess the, you know, you look at Jared Goff comparing this to the Geno Smith situation, it's like Jared Goff was the number one overall pick in a draft. Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff's had playoff success. He's There's also a lot younger. A lot younger. Well, you know, four or five years. I mean, not. That's a lot younger than the NFL, I guess. But, that is a lot younger than the NFL. So I, I guess it makes a lot more sense for the Lions to to rally around him after a really good year than the Hawks for Geno Smith. But I'm just saying that Pete Carroll is the kind of guy who would do that. And to me, yeah. after balling out this year, he would fight for Geno. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them taking a quarterback in the top. Whatever. I mean, I know you don't want to be picking there again, and this might be your only shot. But like. Are, are we sure that CJ Stroud is going to be better than Geno's? But like, I don't, I don't know. Like Geno just balled out. So Pete Carroll's that kind of guy, but they, they had that option too, because Denver, I mean, they're picking like fourth right now. Yeah. Cause of Denver. So uh, it will be really interesting to see where that franchise goes. But uh, I think one thing is for sure. Pete Carroll is sticking there. So your most surprising player was Geno Smith. Yeah, I just um, felt like that was the most natural way to do Absolutely, that, so. 100%. Plus, we got we to start moving through these because we got a lot. Yeah, I um, I thought I was going to look up statistics on this player, um, but I didn't. And I hope I'm kind of right on this. But I, I will say uh, we dogged on Christian Kirk. Wow, did you hear my, my voice just kind of whistle right there? We dogged on <laughs> We dogged on Christian Kirk a lot in the offseason. Um God, I'm kind of hating this take now that I'm saying it. I will, I will say it is surprising to see some of the numbers that he put up. I th- he has not been bad by any means. He was the highest paid wide receiver at some point this offseason. Obviously, I don't think he's been correctly evaluated in that situation. Um, they're probably still overpaying for him. This seems like more of a uh, of a personal like a, for like you because you were because you like were very I was very hard on the move I was astonished. uh and now yeah so i guess so i guess it the most work. surprising player for you all year is christian kirk yeah i i think so because i you know we got to set it to our expectations so you know jacksonville made christian kirk the highest paid wide receiver in the nfl when i heard that i said wow that is horrendous christian kirk is nowhere near that He's probably going to be uh, horrible in Jacksonville. He'll flame out within a couple of years, and they'll have to trade him and try to unload his contract. I don't think it's that situation. He, I feel like the the chemistry is there with Trevor Lawrence. We've seen that at least. The ability to be a solid wide receiver one is there. Is the ability for him to be a top 10, top 5 wide receiver there? I feel like that's still kind of up in the air. But I feel like it – it's not as 
horrendous of a signing as I once thought it was. So I guess in that instance, it is a little surprising. But let's keep moving. Let's uh, let's get into the most cringe next. Okay. That's what I want to do. Um, this one, team. <laughs> I feel. I, I think we're gonna be aligned on. I, I don't on think these. we are. Okay. I don't think we are because I, I assume I know who your player is, and it segue. It will segue really well uh, from my team. Uh, I picked Denver. I also picked Denver. Okay, so. we are aligned on this. All right, never mind. Um, you could have put them also in the most disappointing, but I think I think the cringe has eclipsed the disappointment yeah, yeah, for them. So, one hundred percent. No, yeah, they stopped being disappointing and they started being cringe after like week two, um, because Nathaniel Hackett uh, turned out to be just utterly incompetent on the sidelines. The whole timeout situation was hilarious. They had to bring somebody in to tell this guy how to manage a clock, um, which he's getting paid millions of dollars to coach an NFL team. If I'm paying this guy millions of dollars, I would expect him to know a thing or two about time management. Yeah, it's it's not a good sign. We have to bring in a, a helper uh, no. that early on. Uh, like three weeks into the season. Yeah, not good. Uh, I, th- I, I think the vibe turned real fast. After just the Seattle loss, week one, oh, yeah. I, I think because immediately, you know, we, everyone was thinking, "All right, Denver's going to go in and drop a bomb on Russ them and then leave," cook. and it was not that at all. No, <laughs> uh, so things started to turn sour very quickly, and yeah, I think the cringe though, because that's kind of the aspect that makes this different from disappointing. Uh, I think the cringe for me is the way that the the fans the the locker room the, like Russ like the like the way everyone handled everything was so wrong like everyone <laughs> handled it wrong I I mean uh, the Bronco I feel like we've gone away from it at this point but how people were just hammering Russell Wilson with the Broncos country let's ride I, I'm still seeing it at, I'm still at seeing the beginning quite a bit. of the season it was relentless. It soon became like Broncos country, let's cry. Broncos yep. country, let's die. <laughs> like, like it was relentless. Um, the stories that come out of this season, uh, you know, only half the team showing up to his birthday party. Uh, fights on the sidelines. Fights on the sidelines. Hackett not even finishing the season out. They don't get first round picks for the next couple of years. They don't have any cap space. They got to pay this guy till he's 38 years old or whatever. And his, his cap hit only gets higher and higher. I mean, it is just a cringe, cringe situation. So is, is Russ your, your cringe player? No, no. Uh, I ended up going with Malik Willis. Okay. Well then, cause I, I wasn't going to pick Russ either because I figured people would hammer it enough yeah. with the Broncos. I will just say he's probably the biggest cringe of the entire operation. Just I, would, I would agree. General. You had to throw Denver, the encompassing shitstorm. It, it was almost too Denver. easy to have him. So I do have yeah. someone else for for most cringe player. But but tell me about Malik Willis because that's that's an interesting choice. It's a very interesting choice. This one, like you know, Denver's like funny cringe. This one is just like leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Cringe because everybody was so high up on this guy. At, in the draft, people were talking about having the Lions take him second two. overall. Second overall, he falls all the way to the third round and gets picked up by Tennessee. Everybody knew that that was going to cause a riff in the locker room, which it it really hasn't, but it did cause a riff between the head coach and the GM. Well, clearly, because the GM of, is no longer there. Yeah, on top of the AJ Brown trade. Uh, so it caused rifts, uh, left and right. And when you got in and you saw him, you saw the athleticism, but, but that got shut down real quick. It, it's still the goofiest looking like form for a, for a pro passer that I've seen in quite a while. He's got to have like statistically some of like the worst, uh, stats for a rookie quarterback that I've seen in a while. Yeah. Even the games that he starts, he throws the ball, what, seven times? Cr- cringe because of the big deal that everyone made out of yes. it. And then it blew up into a giant fart so far. 100%. And look, he's a rookie, and it's a draft where everyone was saying the whole time quarterbacks aren't the you know, cream of the crop. The third. Yeah, so 
I, I think people were having like first round expectations. I mean, the only guy to go in the first round was Kenny Pickett, and like he's, he's kind of iffy. He's he's gotten better as the season's yeah. gone, but like he even has had some moments of like, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, I I yeah, I completely agree. That's a good that's a good take as far as a cringe player yeah. goes. It, um, it, it's been cringe watching it. My most cringe player, uh, another quarterback, Zach Wilson. Uh, mainly for that press conference after the Patriots game where, oh. where, you know, he, kind the reporters of. asked him if he felt like he let the team down today or he didn't do enough. And he just tells them, Nope. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the end of Zach Wilson in New York. It was already, you know, the New York fans are, are a little too fiery, a little too opinionated. Uh, they've, they've, completely cast him out at this point. I mean, that Jaguars-Jets game, when Chris Strevler came in in the third quarter, and he picked up, like, a oh, yard. God. They were It was like they won the Super Bowl. The, the, the volume in there was insane. Like, he picked up a yard on a scramble, and they were losing their fucking minds. And Zach Wilson has handled all of this pretty terribly. Uh, I won't say completely horribly. I think it's... I think it's everything with him is a little blown out of proportion because it's literally the New York Jets. If he played for anyone else, I think he actually might have a chance to recover from a bad year. But as already reports, that he's not going to be back next year. And Yikes. So uh, very cringe on his part. And I'll say alongside the fans because uh, they also have been equally cringe. Absolutely. Uh, coach, cringy, cringiest coach of the year. Uh this one might sound a little mean, but I have Jeff Saturday. Uh, um, train, no, wreck, train wreck that you just simply cannot look away from. Uh, gets hired by his buddy Jim Irsay, was coaching like high school football, had no real NFL coaching experience, got in there, and he's like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I might, I might not. I don't know. I'll give it a shot. Goes out, wins his first game, all is good. Lose as the next couple um, will go down in the history books as the coach who uh, was on the team that blew the biggest lead in NFL history. That's like his that's his coaching mark now. He'll go out uh, losing more games. I'm I'm sure they'll lose to Houston this weekend. Maybe they'll turn something around. Nick Foles looks absolutely atrocious. I don't even know who's going to be starting for that. Yeah, I think he's I think he's hurt, so I don't think he's going to play. Um. It's just a it's a train wreck that you can't look away from. I can't imagine he'll be back next year. Um, he gave it his all, but again, like it's just it's so hard to watch. For a guy who's never coached an NFL game, at least he got like a win. He got a win, which was impressive. Um, for me, uh, most cringe coach. I I'm between two, but I'm I'm gonna save one of them because their team fits in the disappointment category for me. I'll give the I'll give the most cringe coach to Josh McDaniels. Okay. Uh, because he was going to be in my disappointment category initially because the the Raiders have been, you know, I'll, I'll get into that later. But mm-hmm. just another example of of Patriot way failing. Yep. Another example of a hotshot big commodity name that an owner with a giant checkbook just needs to have like urban Meyer Mm -hmm. and it's just a wet fart when you get out there and the season starts. And I know they kind of showed some signs of life mid season, but like not no one for a second thought this team was going to go to the playoffs. Really? I mean, come on. No, no, I I definitely agree with you. Um, Like he, like that's a stacked roster. Yeah. And it really showed this past Sunday (laughs) and it's almost like, is Derek Carr the issue there? Who knows? Because, I mean, Jared Stidham put up 34 on the best defense in the NFL. That adds to the cringe for me. But that adds to the cringe. The put it, putting in Jared Stidham. We want to see what we have with Jared Stidham. Yeah. I mean, God. I mean, like, kid played a good game. We can't fault him for that. But there's also a lot that goes into that. Jared Stidham knew that it, it was you know his job to lose at that point. He had abs- Well, he had nothing to lose, really. Um, he just got out there and, and started slinging the rock around and got some broken plays with Devontae Adams and stuff like that. He played a great great game, though. Great game. And probably the 49ers were taking them way too lightly because it is a – Misery, misery, misery. That's what you've chosen. It is a very talented roster. 
Um, I don't know what you do, though. I, I'll tell you what we can do. We can segue into most disappointing. <laughs> okay. And my team is the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Well, that's because sense. this team was stacked from top to bottom. Adams, Carr, Jacobs, Waller, Renfro. They bring in Chandler Jones to line up on the other side of Max Crosby. They had talent up and down the field. Um, it, w- it was never there. It, they just never put it together. You know what I think is adds to the disappointment, too, is that I think when we were coming into the year, we were going, oh, shit, the, the AFC West, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Dominant. a dogfight for the yeah. for the top spot. Really, it was just the Chiefs. Yeah. The Chargers. Chargers had a couple good games. Well, Chargers have scrapped their way into the number two spot, and they're looking, you know, up and down, but, but overall good. Like, the Raiders had all the room in the world to go get that second spot. Yep. And – Especially with the wild card records that are currently on the board with like Miami and like some of the other teams like 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 flirting with the playoffs. Like if the Raiders just had a, a put together season, they definitely could have been the last seed or, or the first seed in the wild card. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yep. so yeah, it's just it's it wasn't even that tall of an order to go take care of business. Yeah. And with the amount of yeah, off season moves and coaching slam dunk hire air quotes, like it should have been it should have been so much different. And when you look at it, um, I'm sure they've lost games, one possession games. Three of those wins they've gotten this year are coming on the last play of the game. You had an overtime win against Denver. You had an overtime win against Seattle. And you had the uh, you know honorary award, funniest play of the year, um, the lateral gone wrong uh, against New England. So uh, – in, in reality, I mean, those all three of those games could have been losses at some point, but props to them for fighting. Okay. Uh, last couple quick ones here. Uh, my most disappointing team, Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Because they got absolutely wrecked oh, in the God, playoffs last actually, year. That's such a good point. And you set everything up again, thinking that, okay, let's let's rebound, let's get better. JJ Watts towards the end of his career officially retiring now. Like you got D Hop, you got Kyler on the big deal, a lot of offseason drama, hard knocks. Weak NFC. Should be no problem for this team to go make a go make some noise and get yeah, in the playoffs. The playoff run. And uh it has been even before the Kyler Murray injury, it was an epic disappointment. And it's just uh yeah, that's about it. I mean, there's not much more to say at this point. We're picking the top five. So that team last year was the definition of lightning in a bottle. Um, they just—I don't know if they'll ever be able to recreate that start of last season. But you know, it's funny. Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury's uh, calling card is collapsing in the second half of the season. This year, he just said, "I'm going to change it up. <laughs> I'm never going to get this team going." Cliff Kingsbury should be the number one coach in the segment, because that is his calling card, disappointment. Yes, that's so true. Um, player, I had Jonathan Taylor. This one is self-explanatory. Uh, produced nowhere near what he did last year. Um, the offensive line for Indianapolis was not there. The offense was not there. Uh, he was battling injuries all season long. This one's for all my fantasy owners out there. Uh, apologies, uh, if you took Jonathan Taylor, except to our two little cousins who just beat me in the championship, who had Jonathan Taylor on their roster. So, um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, I feel like that one was an easy one for me. Uh, for me, I'm going to say Trey Lance was my m- most disappointing player. Yeah. Because, you know, all offseason we were wondering about Jim- where's Jimmy G going to go? How's Trey Lance going to play? The Niners have a Super Bowl roster, and he plays pretty not great against a b- bad Bears team. Bad Bears one. team, but also in a monsoon. Sure. But goes out very early in the season, and it's been all Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo talk since. So well, he broke his ankle. <laughs> I know, but like it's it was a disappoint it was a disappointing thing coming into the season. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it was a lot of yeah. t- and by the way, the guys played like three football games in like four years. Yeah. So like it well, does not look good. So is he ever gonna be a starter in the league? I, I don't even think so at this point. I mean, the Niners got a hell of options. So, um, I, I agree. It, it's a disappointing situation. Not so much his performance, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice to see that first game be a little bit more of a barn burner against a bad team. I mean, playing the weather, sure, but yeah, wasn't very I good. We can. Nothing that we've seen from him so far has been electric, mm-hmm. so um, which is the whole reason they took him. But. Well, he was electric in the first preseason game. Let's not forget that because <laughs> I had to come on here and e-crow about that. Um, most disappointing coach, uh, I'm sorry to do this, Sean McVay of the L.A. Rams. Oh. Um, just really couldn't rally around this team this year. Uh, I don't think I have one. No, Sean McVay. All right. It's, I don't have anyone more disappointed than that. Cause how do you, how do you get worse than winning the Super Bowl And then, you know, 11, there. 11 losses is the most ever for a Super Bowl team in the following year. So that kind of explains it. Um, you would think that McVeigh would at least be able to get something out of this roster, but no Stafford, no Cup, no wins. Maybe Todd Bowles is a runner-up. That's pretty disappointing. That was pretty disappointing. That's a good point. Now, hoping for a rebound from him. Um, all right, first annual gritties in the book. Let's go ahead. Let's get into grid or uh, let's get into follow money. <laughs> Okay, follow the money. Let's take a look at last week before we jump into this week. Recap you on everything. Uh, I went one and two. Uh, my one win was the Pittsburgh and Baltimore under. Again, Sunday night primetime between division rivals. That one was a no-brainer. Um, I lost Minnesota plus three and a half. We don't need to talk about that one. Uh and I lost freaking Carolina at Tampa Bay money line. You know, re- 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 real quick, because I'm not going to have another chance to say it because I'll forget about it. I got a Vikings fan uh, in my office because uh, mm-hmm. he's from Minnesota. And uh, on a on a, on a a work call, uh, we were talking with the Lions, and I took a special moment to tell him his team was a disappointment. I just good. flamed him in front of everybody. So it, was, uh, it felt good. <laughs> Your team is a disappointment. It felt good. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to you last, Al, because we had a little – fluctuation in yours um jake our special guest from last week went one and two uh he did hit on the lions and chicago under if you would have told me that the lions <laughs> scored 41 points and this game still went under i would have called you an absolute madman wow total was set at 52 lions win 41 to 10 we'll get into more than that we'll get into uh, more of that later uh, but hit with one point this week. Wow. So very close on that one. He did lose Miami. Oh, nonsense. <laughs> garbage. He did lose Miami money line against New England, which unfortunately uh, was was a tough, tough game after Terry Bridgewater went out. And uh, he also lost Philadelphia. His birds, uh, minus seven at home against Philadelphia or against New Orleans. Uh yeah, Lost that's, out right. that's bad. Shocking. That's bad. Um, the lock of the week did hit in the first quarter this past week. I gave you over on Justin Fields' rushing yards. That was truly never in doubt. It might have been the first three drives of the game. I think it hit on the second drive. Yeah, I, had, I think it was early. Two carries. He had two or three carries and it hit. Oh, boy. Um, so that was, that was no shock. That was their offense for the day, though, so that was good. Um, Al had... Uh, the uh, over in Denver and KC, which hit uh, Russell Wilson, stopped being incompetent uh, and actually ran the ball. So that was good for him. Do you remember why I said it would hit? No. Because I said, after you fire a head coach, you always see this little spark. Yeah. And it's like that one game. They, they And they probably still lose, but they kind of like give it their all and put something together. So I had a feeling. I had a feeling you, that you would be over. You 100%. Um, San Francisco was minus six at the time that we recorded. I think the line did jump up after the benching of Derek Carr. It did not matter. Um, Las Vegas kept it within three. Um, And then finally, we have our first ever uh, not applicable. He took Cincinnati uh, minus 105 uh, at home against Buffalo, uh, in which that game ended up uh, not finishing due to um, just – an absolute freak accident, um, cardiac arrest on the field. Um, very tough scene to watch. So we don't know if that game is going to get played. It sounds like it won't. Um, 
I don't know how the hell they're going to do that uh, with the NFL and <clears throat> how it's going to affect seating and everything. Um, so that will be very interesting to see. And, and we're hoping the best for that player, uh, Demar Hamlin. Yeah, definitely a really shocking scene. And yeah, I hope he's a, hope he's going to pull through. And and honestly, at this point, I hope he just goes to live a normal life after something like that happens. Forget yeah. getting back in the field. Forget about the game. Forget about football. Like I just hope the dude the dude can live a full life. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So taking a look at the records now. Uh, Jake, our guest went one and two. We'll have to have him back on to redeem himself. Uh, I now sit at 22 and 20. And Al, uh, now breathing down my neck more than ever, sits at 21 and 20. So the, we're just going to obviously count you that as a zero. Yep. Okay. You went one and one last week. Oh, no, it was two, well, two, it would have been. You had three picks. Yes. You won one. You lost one. And then the other one was the okay. Bills game. Okay. So we're obviously just throwing that game yep. out the window. Yep. Um, so now Al sits at 21 and 20. Lock of the week moves to 8 and 2 on the year. 80% win rate. Maybe next year we just switch this segment to lock of the week and we really. You know what? I feel like that, that's why it's worked, though, is because we just kind of just come up with it the last second. And then, and well, then you it's, do. Well, minor thought. I'm lumping this in collectively. Oh, okay. well, my God. Um,. All right, so log of the week hitting at an 80% win rate, which is uh, absurd. So over-unders for this week, uh, a lot of divisional games this week. Most of the, I think all of these actually are divisional games this week. Um, Tampa Bay at Atlanta is set at 40 and a half. The Los Angeles Rams travel to Seattle at 41. I know all Lions fans will be watching that one. Um, Detroit at Green Bay, Sunday Night Football now. After we got flexed, we made the National Football League give us a primetime game this year, which is cool. Uh, that total is set at 49. The spreads this week. Uh, Jacksonville is at home favored by six and a half points against the Tennessee Titans. They should be. Honestly, they should be. Uh, is Tannehill done? I, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to see the Josh Dobbs show. Okay, but Derrick Henry should be back, so who knows? That's that's always those are always tough games. You know you know Mike Vrabel's getting his boys together. Six and a half is yeah. A lot of points. That's something. Um Carolina travels to New Orleans. Uh New Orleans is favored by three and a half. And the Los Angeles Chargers are traveling to the mile high to face the Denver Broncos. The Los Angeles Chargers are favored by three. Finally, closing out the money lines, we have Cleveland plus one thirty on the road in Pittsburgh. The New York Jets uh, traveling to Miami. The Jets are minus 105. And then finally, uh, one of the bigger money lines that we've had on this show, Baltimore travels to Cincinnati. Baltimore is plus 260. So, uh, Al, seeing as how you technically had a better win percentage than I did, um, you can go ahead and go first this week. Uh, Very tough board this week, to be honest. Um, I got two picks already brewing. Well, one of I guess the only one I'm I'm really gravitating towards right now would be the over in the LA Seattle game. Uh, mainly out of hope, mainly out of hope that this will be a high scoring game that the Rams will either, you know, put their foot on the Seahawks' throat yeah. and score a lot of points, or that the Rams can hold on with a high scoring Seattle game. Honestly, one of the two. Yeah, neither of these defenses are very good, and that feels like a very low total. I don't know. Vegas might be onto something there, but stinky uh, cheese. Stinky me cheese as a uh, dumb gambler, uh, I would take the over too. Absolutely. Um. All right. I am going with Tennessee plus six and a half. Rabel. Rabel. Um. Rabel as a dog is always got his guys good to go. And they're fighting for a chance to go to the playoffs. Jacksonville has been simply too hot uh, these last couple of weeks. They need to uh, have a flub. So I'm expecting Tennessee to at least cover a six and a half point spread. You know what? That's the kind of game where it's a good example of, like, I think the Jags will win, but I don't think they'll cover this. Yeah. I think it will be close, but they're going to, like, they're still going to win the game. Yeah, to me. I, I think that's completely reasonable. 
second one here. Um, let's, uh, let's take the Chargers. Let's take the Chargers uh, three points, Denver. Uh, I, I guess the Chargers aren't really playing for anything this week. I mean, they're already in, right? They clinched. I think they could fight for uh, wild card seeding. So. Uh, the Broncos have had too many problems all year. I know that they looked a little more chipper last week against the Chiefs, but uh, Chargers should go in there and take care of business. I know the Chargers should be doing anything is always kind of a question mark. Well, but, kind of a question mark. Uh, but I would say go take care of business. And they've, they've been pretty good to me this year when I've been picking on them. So, All right. All right. Like that. Uh, I'm going back to the well once more. Sunday Night Football prime times. Um, this is a little bit worrisome. Both these offenses just hung 40 points up on their opponents this past week. Uh, but again, when you zig, you got to zag. So I'm expecting the offenses to be a little bit less high-powered this week. I think the big note about Green Bay, and obviously we'll talk more about it in our Lions segment, but I think the big note is that their defense is really kind of the bedrock of them right now, which is why they're alive. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Last one here. Uh, You know what? I just don't like the money lines. Uh, I'm going to uh, to go with Carolina, uh, three and a half. All right. I think this is a nothing burger game, but but Carolina has been looking a hell of a lot better in the last month than New Orleans, and definitely gave Tampa a run for their money. At this point, maybe maybe if anything, you'll have guys like Darnold and and Steve Wilkes trying to show something, you know, that they deserve to stick around for another season. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um. All right, I I am going to go with the one money line that I feel like actually will hit this week, uh, Jets. Uh, I thought about it. I, I thought I, about it a little bit. Yeah, they have been officially eliminated. Um, Miami's still playing for a wild card spot, even if I, I don't know who the hell they could possibly be starting at quarterback this week. But um, who knows? Baltimore, uh, again, uh, losing to Pittsburgh at home on Sunday night football as you're trying to battle for it. Um, anything can happen. It could be a squirrely game, but I'm going with Cleveland traveling to Pittsburgh. I think Cleveland might have figured some stuff out last week. Oh, see, so Washington. Okay, I thought you were teeing up yourself to go for the Jets, but no. No, no. I, okay. I immediately bashed the Jets. Okay. So um, yeah, no, I think Cleveland possibly figured some stuff out. Here's my biggest worry um, Nick Chubb is clearly the best running back in football. And he has a coach that just doesn't understand that. Um, Nick Chubb should be getting like a minimum 25 carries a game. Uh, And Stefanski is comfortable with giving him like 12. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That's the one worry. But against this Pittsburgh defense, you do have to run the ball. You know, you got to wear them out. You got to, you got to, you know, meet their fist with a fist. So, I'm going with Cleveland. I think they could do this. Um, that's the only money line I like. All right. So to recap, uh, Al has the over in Los Angeles and Seattle. Uh, he is taking Carolina plus three and a half on the road against New Orleans. And the Los Angeles Chargers minus three uh, going up against Denver in Denver. Not feeling great about most of them, to be honest. But <laughs> I, I feel like you know what, ladies and gentlemen, this might be a fade week of Lucas's picks because I love all three of them. I love them. I might put money on them. Uh, I might put more money than I usually do on these ones. Uh, the under in Detroit at Green Bay on Sunday Night Football uh, that is set at forty-nine points. Tennessee plus six and a half on the road in Jacksonville and Cleveland plus one thirty money line. Uh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I got to say, after hearing them all back, I do like them a little bit more. Yours. No, not mine. <laughs> Yours. Okay. It's time. Let's go! Lions! Okay. Uh, Lions talk, best segment of the show. 
Here we go. Um, Chicago comes into Detroit this past Sunday. They lead after one, uh, 10 to seven, proceeded to get outscored uh, 34 to nothing uh, in the following three quarters. Uh, easily the most enjoyable game I've ever seen at Ford Field. Easily. After hearing all the stats, I might say one of the more statistically dominant games you've ever seen at Ford Field. Uh, yeah, it had to have been. I mean, uh, Justin Fields finished the day with um, 7 for 21, 75 yards, one touchdown, one interception, uh, and sacked seven times uh, for a loss of 45 yards. Jared Goff went 21 for 29, 255 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, sacked one time. So Jared Goff still rolling with – I don't even know the last time he threw a pick. I thought I heard today it's been six games. Six games. Since he threw a pick. Since he's thrown an interception. Could be wrong on that, but I thought I heard that today. It's It's got to be probably like his fourth or fifth time he's finished with a rating above 100. Uh, he finished his past Sunday with 133.5. Uh, I said last week that the three keys to winning were winning the turnover battle. They had two. Um, the Lions, well, the Lions caused two turnovers, gave uh, up none. Uh, I said that they had to get the run game going. The Lions had 39 carries for 265 yards, uh, averaging 6.8 yards uh, a carry on the ground. Also tacked on two touchdowns. That came from Jamal Williams who had 22 for 144, and DeAndre Swift, who had 11 for 78. Also, huge shout-out, one of the most electric plays that has ever happened at Ford Field, Jamison Williams on the end around, uh, take it, taking it for 40 yards. I mean, we got to see more of that. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think a year ago, this time last year, we kind of just were talking about how we wanted to see games where you know, win or lose, you see the Lions starting to form their identity and and what Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are, are preaching is actually working and, and resulting in good play and hopefully W's down the line. But uh, with games like this where the run game is on fire, Goff looks good, defense is causing turnovers, you know, not perfect, but playing pretty well and they only have room to improve. Like, you, I, I just love where we're at. I love it. I mean, even if we don't make the postseason at this point, uh, I'm extremely happy with games like that. Like against a bad team, picking the top five, you just you laid the wood on them. I mean, you just destroyed mm-hmm. them. And and I not it's starting to get a little bit more normal to talk about the Lions playing a well above average. You know, destroying bad teams is a good feeling. Absolutely. I mean, you you also kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, we wanted to see this year this team is moving in the right direction. Rookie Josh Pascal, second or a third round pick? I think he was a third round. Two sacks this past Sunday. James Houston, sixth round pick, three sacks. By the way, I think he's at a total of seven now on the season. He's played 110 snaps. He has seven or eight sacks on the season, which is just an absolute astronomical number. Uh, and rookie Aiden Hutchinson recorded half a sack, but also an interception, his third interception on the season, setting a rookie defensive lineman record uh, for most interceptions in a season. Uh, John Kaminsky also had a sack. Malfanu had a sack or half sack. Um, defense was just up in field's ass all day, which was fantastic to see. Um, changing gears now. If you're a Lions fan, you already know this, but for us to get into the playoffs, we need uh, Seattle to lose against the Los Angeles Rams. And unfortunately, a double-edged sword because we're currently holding the sixth overall draft pick in this upcoming draft via the Rams. Um, but if the Rams win and we win against Green Bay, the Lions will claim the seventh seed in the wild card. So it, for me, like, I don't know, with the – double-edged sword nature of the Rams. I understand probably the long-term thing fans might want is to pick at six instead of picking at 10 or, or wherever, you know, the Rams, the higher the Rams pick, the better. 
but that means they'd have to lose to Seattle. For me, I'm saying F the pick. I don't care. Like, like this team never sniffs the postseason, yeah. it feels like. And it's so rare that it happens. And like I, I'm willing to just take the chance on that than than keep delaying to the future. It will feel a lot better, I'm sure. Uh, you know, if the Lions don't make the postseason, they have the sixth overall pick or whatever. I'm sure that'll be great. But like at the yeah. same time, we want to make the postseason. Yeah, that, I'm, that's that's where my uh, yeah my opinion is on that subject matter. I don't know about you. Absolutely, no, I totally agree. Um, I feel like an even more important thing to point out before going into this game is the idea that this season has been wildly successful. Um, you look at the amount of wins that this team has gotten after starting one and six to go eight and eight, um, which by the way, eight wins is combined uh, the same amount of wins this team had the last two seasons. But more importantly, and I I feel like this is uh, a very telling sign that good things are to come. This team currently has a four and one record, five, no, four and one record in the division. Yeah, it's huge. This team has not had a winning record against the division opponents since 2017 when they finished nine and seven. And I, I know Green Bay is kind of heating up right now, and Minnesota on paper has had a, a good year, but Minnesota's frauds. Uh, Rodgers is a question mark beyond this year, even if they're playing well right now. Uh, and the Bears are at the basement level of a rebuild. Uh, so you you got to believe that after a year like this and and into year three of this reboot for the team that there's a really good chance this team could be like next couple seasons challenging for the division title. I think on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. Next season is 100% an expectation. We can beat all our teams in the division. The one downfall is that we're going to be matching up with pretty damn good teams in other divisions now, which we'll see how that goes. But I think the big thing with this game, this Green Bay game, you know, I think talked about it a couple weeks ago. I I had a, a gut-wrenching feeling it was going to come down to this game. You did. And, you really did. And I just was not – happy about it because i i just even if green bay wasn't alive the fact that we have to come to this game win and get in kind of stuff and like aaron Rodgers just has no respect for the lions at all and and he does not he does not want to lose them at lambeau for potentially either, at the time maybe the last game of his career as a packer but now for a shot to get in the playoffs which by the way uh the last time the packers won a super bowl about a decade ago they're in a pretty similar spot where no one was giving them much thought and they were getting in as the last seed and, and playing with house money. And then they go to win it all. Uh, Only four teams have ever done that. So this is a terrifying game for me. And I, I, I find myself at a point where I either I have to, I have to look at the two sides of my Lions fandom very hard in the mirror here. Uh, number one, same old Lions. SOL. Go to Lambeau. Rodgers takes a giant dump on the Lions, and they go to the postseason and, and, and God forbid, win a Super Bowl. That's, that is a possibility. A strong possibility. Okay. Maybe not the Super Bowl, but, gonna, but, but winning the playoffs. Stop you right there. Okay. They're not making it out of the wild card. Okay. But if they got to go to San Francisco and play the Niners. This is why I'm also like, I'm okay with missing the playoffs. Well, it would be really cool to make the playoffs. But we're not going into San Francisco and beating the 49ers. Fair enough. Fair enough. But them dashing our hopes and getting in is That's scenario A. That's same old Lions. That's painful. Scenario two is what's your what's your moniker for the Lions? BNL. BNL. <laughs> Brand new Lions. Okay. And they come into a primetime game, which is amazing in itself that we got one in this fashion. It's kind of crazy. Uh, on the road in Lambeau in January and get a W. And I want to go on that side. I'm going to try and abandon my cynicism for a week and see how it goes. If they if they go in there and get the crap kicked out of them, I can't be that mad about it, but I'm praying that doesn't happen. I agree. Um, 
I guess the big X factor is if Seattle wins, then does it? I mean, who even? It doesn't even matter. It it doesn't matter, but you still want to see the Lions crush the hopes of the Packers. That's that's the real key here. We don't care whether or not we're getting. I mean, for me at least, I don't care if this team makes the playoffs or not. This has been a phenomenal season for the Lions. When you put it that way, that's almost as juicy as a playoff berth, to be honest. Exactly. This this game only matters that we go into Lambeau Field and we crush them. We don't crush them, but we win the game because I don't. I don't think anybody. Yeah, we crush their spirits. I was relatively confident in us doing that until they made this a Sunday night football game. And the reason I say that and the reason that the SOL in me is taking over is because I've seen this once before. The fucking refs, if they get in our way in this game, man, it is just going to, it is going to be the definition of insanity. Do you can you imagine if they got uh, our good friend Cleet Blakeman on the staff for those refs that game? The guy who fucked us over in the, the other Lambo game, yeah, with Trey, that Trey Flowers call. Remember like, that? This is just we're we're setting ourselves up for deja vu here. That's the SOL. In but that, but yeah, that's the whole thing. That's the two camps. That's SOL thinking, right? I, sort of. You know, like I feel like SOL really really shines in hindsight. Right, like as all yeah. the SOL fans come crawling out of Twitter when the Lions lose. It's never so much beforehand, but um, this one, like I, I'm the futuristic SOL in me, is just seeing some fucking stupid ass call, some like bullshit late hit on Rogers where they throw the flag. And he's, you know, throwing his arm up like, where's my flag? Where's my flag? Like, I can see it coming from a mile away. Because they're just not used to scoring touchdowns. And I pray that that's not happening. Well, you you know, I mean, we all know why the game got flexed. It's not about the Lions. It's about the Packers. It's about the Packers. 100%. If they win, that they're in. Yes, 1,000%. And this is already teed up as a Packers like presentation. It's not a lot. No 100%. one gives a goddamn about the Lions making the playoffs. I, I wouldn't say that. It's it's so similar. <laughs> I don't want to get political on this show, but <laughs> don't <laughs> the silent majority. Like I would say that a majority of NFL fans want to see the Lions go into Green Bay and win this game. Yeah, yeah. I think regardless if, if we make the playoffs or not. No, you're right on that. I, I think people are as fed up with the Aaron Rodgers uh, drama as as we are. I mean, not to our extent, maybe, but a lot of people 100%. are done with it. The NFL wants to see Green Bay go again. Yeah, that's no question. Because 100%. They just want the most entertaining eyeball-getting matchups. 100%. Absolutely. And Green Bay is going to be must-watch TV when they make the playoffs. Yes. And it's it's so unfortunate, but I I – just feel it in my bones. The same way that you felt three weeks ago saying it's going to come down to this game, I feel it in my bones that the refs are going to fuck us in this game. And I just feel like I, I feel it coming. But until that happens, I think this team got themselves right this past weekend. They can go into Green Bay. They can take down the Packers again. Uh They've proven that they can go on the road and win. Um, I don't think they've faced a team this good on the road this season. That's the one thing that worries me. And we have not or played, in prime time. We have not played on prime time all year. Uh, okay. So I feel like I feel like we are both in the camps in in both camps. Yes. Here. So on that note, uh, usually we do final score predictions last. Let's do those, and then your checklist, and then let's get out of here. Okay. So final score prediction for me. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a 24-21 Lions victory, despite how the Seattle game shakes out. 100%. I mean, Campbell's going to have our guys good to go. 
I, I truly do believe that. Because um, this is, even if they don't make the postseason in Seattle, this is, you know, gets in before that, or, you know, you know what I mean? Like dashes their hopes of getting in before the game even starts. This is a huge culture game. Yeah. To go in there and get the shit kicked out of you in Lambeau. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think this is a it's a big game for a lot of reasons, and I don't. I think Dan Campbell will step up. I just had a uh, that's so Raven moment when thinking about <laughs> where you're. Eye, you got the flashback or the yeah. flash forward. Here's here's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Could you imagine if I actually got this right? Under two minutes, Lions have no timeouts. Green Bay just kicked a field goal to go up twenty-seven to twenty-one. Goff leads us down the field, gets us down to about the thirty-five, takes a shot at the end zone, clears day pass interference, no flag is thrown. Game yeah, ends there. That sounds all too familiar. And you know why it's all Lions fans. You know what? Right. This will never get to him. But that ref who was in the end zone on a third and four and saw clear as fucking day pass interference and didn't pull his flag out. We had to wait for his buddy to come sprinting in off the sidelines to throw the flag. Fuck you. You are the exact reason I think this way. You son of a yeah, bitch. God, man, I don't want to be this way anymore. <laughs> um, final score. Was... Final score. You didn't give your. Oh uh, no, I just gave it to you. Twenty-seven to twenty-one. Okay, sorry, but didn't hear. Green Bay. Um, I kind of got tired of saying the same things over and over again, even though it's extremely true. That's how we win games. We win the turnover battle. We get to the quarterback. Rushing games on we, fire. We get the rushing game going. I decided to switch it up a little bit this week. And maybe they won't expect it. Maybe they won't see this coming. So um, we need to shut down Aaron Jones right out the gate. Cannot let Aaron Jones cook. Um, yeah, I, I guess putting like, it all on Rodgers and the receivers, bad chemistry is probably a good a good bet. So, you know, we can let Christian Watson kind of go to work a little bit, but we cannot let Aaron Jones get going. And our team has been pretty, pretty decent at shutting down run games recently outside of Carolina. We're throwing that game out the window. <sighs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. After after pleading with this team to get the run game going over the last couple of weeks, I say we put this game on golf shoulders. Don't like that at all. This is his moment. Regardless of what Seattle does, this is his moment to earn the respect of every single Lions fan. That is true. I do agree If he is able to go into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers at his own game, he will 100% everybody will be calling into 97.1 saying this is our guy. You know what? I, I just remembered this uh, in my uh, drunken haze at Ford Field recently. A uh, couple IPAs deep. I, I turned back to you and I was like, Say what you want to say about Jared Goff, but the dude is a winner. Dude's a winner. He does win. and He's a competitor. He's a fierce competitor, too. And I think that was the largest knock on Stafford his whole time here was I think that he's kind of just stat Padford and he's not a winner. Yep. And Goff is kind of the opposite of that, but his stats been pretty good. So. so second thing, let Goff cook. Third thing, and this ties into the second thing, but it is now or never – we need to see this chemistry start clicking. We need to start getting J-Mo the ball. And I know that they brought him in a little bit more last week. They got him the end of round, which was electric. He had three targets. The chemistry with him and Goff is still not there. But we need it now more than ever. If he, if they can get this chemistry down, man, this motherfucker is going to be breaking 60-yard touchdowns left and right. I, I, I... Anybody can see it. He has a Tyreek Hill upside. 100%. I would say even better. He's got the speed, but he also has so much more length than Tyreek. So, please, please get this chemistry down for this game. Do you have anything else? Because I got one. No. Go. Uh, My one wish list item, uh, very infrequent as to when I have them, but this one I feel like it's very prevalent for this game. Play a clean game. Oh, I love that. Avoid penalties. Yes. Because you're going to get a handful that you don't deserve. Yeah. It's that kind of game. Lucas brought back a lot of bad deja vu. Yeah. 
uh, or bad memories, I guess. Uh, so do your part to minimize that and roll with the punches. So play a clean game. Try not to hit Rodgers too hard because I can tell you right now, man, I see it clear as day, third and 10, incomplete pass. What's the flag doing back there? Fucking roughing the passer. Um. All right. I feel like I have such a bad taste in my mouth with this segment, but I do believe that this team can win. It's it's reasonable and cautious thinking. Yeah. Because we've been bit here so many times, and usually when expectations are as high as they are, this team doesn't deliver. But I'm trying to put my cynicism aside for a week here and just ride the ride and hope for the best. Again, big shout out to LA for the love of God. Beat the Seahawks. Please beat the Seahawks. <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> Just beat the Packers. Sorry about that, Whammy. All right, let's close the show out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you again for listening to the Great Iron Zeros podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, Fuck your life, bing bong. Al, without further ado, um, the impromptu lock of the week. Re- record time uh, selection for lock moments, of the week. Moments before we started recording, he came out. He came A- about up 40 seconds before we were talking here right now, he said, do you have it? And I said, no. <laughs> and then I scrambled the DraftKings, uh, and I saw it in front of me, clear as day. And I'm not going to overthink it because, as I said earlier, the Minnesota Vikings are fucking frauds. So I'm taking the Bears plus seven. Wow. Uh, I think they can cover the spread. I don't think they can win this game, but I think they'll cover it. Vikings are frauds. That is a ballsy pick. I don't hate it, though. They matched up well with them the first time they met. And I feel like it was a similar spread, and they kept it close. So Let's I- see something from Justin Fields' final, uh, final performance of the year. Let's see something. Let's see some of the arm. Justin, why don't you stop running the ball so much? That's it. All right. Uh, Well, that does it for us. And uh, we will be back with a little bit of a later episode next week as uh, I will be going on vacation. (laughs) Actually, it's going to be a solo shit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you on the next one. Later. I'm not going to